It's your boy Rabino. And this DJ Erm in the building. And you listen to the Up and Up podcast. Yeah. Wait, what are we doing? I don't know. Just listen. Yes, 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 yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What it do, what it do. Ladies and gentlemen, you're tuning into the Up and Up podcast on the Up and Up network. I'm your host, Rabino. And I'm DJ Erm, man. What's up, boss? How you doing? Good, man. How are you? I'm blessed, man. Very, very blessed. Very grateful. Yep. That's the best way I could put it. You. Grateful for everybody in the room. Grateful for the moment. Like, and I'm... Oh, you got some? No, I was just going to say likewise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm mostly grateful for the listeners who are tuning in right now, mm-hmm. right? For sure. Um, for those of you first-time listeners, as I stated, this is the Up and Up podcast. Um, this is the podcast where we're focused on cultivating culture, right? Mm-hmm. We do that by providing amazing stories of individuals, groups, movements, right? Um, people who are taking up space, carving lanes, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Making paths. Um, not only for... Everybody that's still here, but those coming from behind, right? The next generation. Um, Definitely want to make sure we're shouting out the family members, right? We don't don't call them listeners. We don't call them viewers. We call them family members, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So salute to you guys. We love you guys. We appreciate you for rocking and staying consistent, right? Salute. Um, Yeah, man, and I'm excited, man. I'm very excited because, you know, what we do here is about uplifting, man, you know? Mm -hmm. Whether it's just an hour out of your day, we want to make sure we give you something that's going to keep you moving on to the next to the next step, right, or the yes, next sir. the next move, or the next the next jump, whatever it is you're trying to do, mm-hmm. um, and I'm excited because today's guest is um, someone whose work and contributions have truly given folks the space they need um, to empower themselves, um, but also empower others as a result of their own self work, right. Um, she's definitely a true culture cultivator who's keeping everything she's doing on the up and up. Yep. Um, a little bit of insight on the work she's been doing. Uh, she is the founder and creator of the Amazing Yoga by Biola platform, which is focused on cultivating inclusive wellness spaces um, that really encourage communities to develop their own personal practice in the process. Um, and in addition to having that platform, you can also add educator uh, to her resume um, with the creation of her online educational platform, Aya. Um, Aya is a platform that celebrates non-performative yoga, which focuses on nurturing and not critiquing. Um, and the platform has truly provided, uh, I would say, an alternative to the commercialized yoga space. Um, and, and it has a, an approach where they truly try to guide you through your body in a way that feels natural um, and familiar. Um, and really just helping people embrace the diversity of, of their body, right? Um, you know, I can go on and on, man. She's a leader. She's a healer. Um, she's on a mission really to help and guide others to become in their best selves. And you know, what best way to invest in yourself than to invest in your health. Right. Right. Did it again. There's no better way, My right? Guy. There's no better way, man. Yes, so let's, sir. let's just get straight to it, man. Sir. We're excited. We're honored. Um, our guest is none other than the healing and empowering boss herself, Biola Akani. Can we get a round of applause? Hey. Give it up. Give it up. how you doing i'm doing good i'm feeling good i'm I'm excited to be here i am nervous yeah i told y'all that but y'all kind of gave me the pep top the nerves mean good things and so no it feels good to be here today thank you for having me yeah man it's a pleasure it's an honor to have you here we're excited um how's the day treating you just it's a wednesday so (laughs) wednesday or hump days yeah it's a busy day um 
we've been gearing up for. I just got to correct you on the name, Ia. Ia, okay, I'm sorry. Ia. <laughs> yeah, and so we've been gearing up for our 200-hour yoga teacher training. So I've been, I've just been running through applications. I've had meetings back to back, and then YouTube content. So it's just, it's been a crazy, it's been a crazy day for me. Okay, well let's try to settle in here, and you know, um, <laughs> let's try to have a a, a great, good pause. Yeah. But not a pause. Mm-hmm. Kind of a pause. <laughs> a pause without the pause. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, so I don't know if you're familiar, but we always start every episode with the quote of the day, something to get the vibe right, get the conversation started. Okay, cool. Brother Man Erm, man of the Let's quotes. Let's get it, man. What you got for All us, right. Man? So the quote of the day today is, my ambition didn't grow out of nowhere. It was planted in me by a community that nurtured me. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I like that one. Mm. Who was that quote by? Uh, Michael Eric Dyson. Mm. Yeah. Shout out to him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My guy. I like Michael Eric Dyson. Yeah. Cool, man. I love that. That's um, that's a good quote. Thank you, bro. Yeah. Thanks for that one. Sure. Um. Now, uh, now, Biala. So, we're gonna get into the journey, right? Obviously, you, yes. you've come a long way, and you've you've went through a lot to get to where you're currently at. Um. But in my own research and kind of learning more about kind of your platform and and everything you guys have done, what, what stuck out to me is, um. You had something where you said you guys are disrupting commercial yoga standards and prioritizing fitness-based poses. That pr- that prioritized fitness-based poses over adaptable adaptable asana. Is that, is that how it's pronounced? Asana, yeah. Asana like poses, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess from your own viewpoint, like, how would you describe what makes the approach you guys are taking so impactful and valuable to those that you work with? Absolutely. Well, a few different things, but going on what you just said, the first one being that. When folks think about the commercial yoga industry, they think about a lot of the fitness-based yoga postures that you see, like the crazy acrobatic postures that folks are doing, bending and twisting into pretzels, which I have to give it up to those people because that takes a lot of commitment and Mm. discipline and practice. However, the practice of yoga has so much more involved in that. That's only one of the limbs. That's only one of the eight limbs of yoga, which is asana which is the poses and we fail to reach so many more people by only showcasing the poses and so our approach is non-performative yoga non-fitness based yoga which is basically the practice beyond the poses that Mm -hmm. includes all the other aspects all the other facets of the practice that includes yoga philosophy and education that includes pranayama which is breath practices and meditation practices Mm -hmm. If the pandemic showed us anything during George Floyd is that folks just want to feel settled, safe, and seen in their bodies. So all of those crazy acrobatic postures most of society does not care about. Um, They're looking to get into the practice in a way that feels approachable and adaptable for them. That can be through asana, that can be through the poses, Mm. but you also got to break it down in a way that feels adaptable for different bodies. Folks who have bigger bodies, who are older bodies, who are differently abled bodies, and for folks who just don't even care about that. Mm, (laughs) For folks who just, I just want to learn how to breathe, Mm, or I just want to learn how to be in meditation and sit still with my own thoughts. Mm. Or maybe I want to actually explore the yoga sutras and understand the philosophy of this practice. You can get into the practice through all of those ways as well. So when we say non-performative yoga education, we're offering all the other facets of the practice in addition to asana Mm. so that folks can enter the practice through different lanes. Mm. 
I love it. Wow. Wow. Oh, you broke that down. Yeah, that was a great uh, breakdown. No, you broke that sure. down. And I, I actually just brought it up because I think when people hear the word disrupt, it comes off a certain way. And I think um, it's about your perspective and how you see it because sometimes what's disrupting needs to be disrupted, right? Mm, absolutely. And that's how I see it. That's how I saw it. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. The commercial yoga industry definitely only shows one lens. Mm. And so folks have no idea that the practice of yoga has all of the, these other aspects. They only think of it as this, um, as the poses. They only think that's yeah. it. And so it, dis, it can discourage black and brown folks. It can discourage differently able bodies or older bodies because they're like, I, I can't relate to that physical aspect. Mm. That doesn't feel approachable or adaptable to me. Or folks who are on the fringe or feel othered by society, not just only like BIPOC and black communities, but folks who are just fringe fringe folks, the folks that mm. society doesn't ever consider, like mm. folks who are differently abled. Mm. If they're only if you're only if commercial yoga is only showcasing this one performative lens, which is very fitness based, then it overlooks a majority of the society. Mm. I love it. Right. I love it. Um, That's real. Definitely. Uh, I also want to take it back to, and uh, we'll talk about like your early life, your upbringing. Um, if you want to touch on that? that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, where that? <laughs> where start beginning of the journey. Yeah. Grew up in Atlanta, right? I did. So okay. my family's from Nigeria. Okay. And um, we moved. I moved from Atlanta when I was around seven. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom is quite spiritual, and I did grow up uh, Muslim. And um, my cousins were getting in a lot of trouble, and my my sister was heading that way too, and my mom wanted kind of a new life for us. And so she had one friend who randomly lived in Seattle, and she kind of came out here for a year, told my dad to, you know, hold down the fort, and we stayed there with him in Atlanta while she kind of surveyed the lay of the land here in Washington State living in somebody's garage. And when she felt like, yeah, this is where I want the kids to be, She had my dad send us down, and that's how we ended up here. Mm. Um, You know, however, I was always a very introspective child, uh, a little bit more on the neurodivergent side of things. So I'm a hypersensitive person, have some neurodivergent kind of processing. So I was just a very (laughs) emotionally needy child, my mom would say. Mm. Um, I had a a lot of needs that went unmet. And some suffered some other types of uh, traumas when I was younger, some sexual trauma and some other things. So when we moved here, um, dealing with that in like Nigerian culture, like types of mental health is scary for the family. They think mm. of it like as this negative thing or a curse, and so they try to overlook it or negate it. And mm. that went on for a very long time. And also when I moved here, it was exacerbated by severe bullying that I experienced, mm. you know, in high school and middle school, mm. so much so that I had to, like, transfer schools. Mm. Um, and it was really bad. It was, it, was, it was a lot of racial bullying, but also from, from white folks, but also from black folks. I, I, I didn't feel like I was or made fun of for not being black enough. Mm. And um, it led me to kind of abuse substances when I was young. Um, So I was, uh, you know, abusing different substances, you know, in high school, and that I went on to 
pursue more of that, you know, mm-hmm. by the time I entered college mm-hmm. and I got into a pretty bad car accident. I was always, an, you know, athletic, so I ran track. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I played women's rugby in college and I got in a really bad car accident that exacerbated my scoliosis and they gave me even more prescription drugs. Mm-hmm. So I, I had a really you know, bad substance abuse problem. But for me at the time, it felt like I'm just going to do these substances. It felt like an answer. I'm just going to do these substances so that I can feel confident. This feels like the perfect answer. It just made sense. Like Mm -hmm. logically, oh, you just do this and you have some sense of confidence and some sense of normalcy, like Mm -hmm. moving through life. And that was my answer. Mm -hmm. Um, And it got really bad, especially when that car accident came. And so I wasn't able to do anything physically active. I wasn't able to play rugby. I wasn't able to run. So mm. my roommate at the time, you know, made a recommendation. She's like, why don't you try, you know, yoga? Why don't you give that a try? Mm. And so I did. I was like, okay, I'll give it a try. And it just, it just split me wide open, you know, in a way that was really emotional. I started to see all of these kind of self-deprecating thoughts that I had, but it was also a revelation that I could see an aspect of myself that I could learn to love and explore that love in in a greater capacity Mm. because there was a lot of deep-seated insecurity that had compounded with me using and suppressing a lot of my trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, So the practice helped me to start to just see a sliver of myself that I could enjoy and love. Mm -hmm. And from there get to the root of the aspects of myself that I really didn't enjoy Mm -hmm. without judgment or criticism. I could actually sit with it and see like, oh, that came from there. And the science of yoga gave me the practice and the tools to begin to replace that with something else. Mm. Yeah. So I was gaining quote unquote self-love, which I really don't like that term. Um, I I find that it's self-intimacy is a lot more specific. I started to cultivate a a self, a relationship of self-intimacy where I could see into myself comfortably and also begin to replace the aspects of myself that I didn't love because I was gaining the victory over them. Like, so I gained the self-love because I gained the victory over the aspects of myself that I didn't like. Yeah. So that's how self-love is cultivated, not by bubble baths and um, uh, massages and facials. It's, it's, it's real work. It's yeah, real work. you yeah. have to sit with yeah. the aspects of yourself that you dislike so you can actually gain the victory over them. I like that. I like mm-hmm. the, I like the um, and thank you for sharing that um, because I think it gives context, right, be- to why people do what they do. Like yeah. I was just talking to Benham earlier. Um, we were just talking about, you know, when people pursue things or people do things and sometimes the perception is, oh, you do this thing. But yeah. there's a there's a, always a reason and a why for why people do what they do. Um, I, I am I am curious. So so growing up, obviously playing, um, you said you, you were an athlete, you played sports, right? And mm-hmm. a lot of times with sports, you know, can be competitive yeah. based, right? But then um, after going through um, the situation with the car accident and you, you mentioned how you kind of had to, like you didn't really have a lot of options in terms of expressing the athletic side um in athletics you're competing with yoga did it feel like okay i don't have to compete here oh, was no. that was that something oh no yeah okay yeah. so it wasn't that i i am competitive by nature and okay. so and i okay. ran track for several years i was a sprinter so I, I first started practicing you know yoga particularly bikram yoga and i went ham 
Like yeah. I went, I went hard. Like just the person in the front, like the crazy hot yoga doing the crazy. Po- like I started out super performative, like okay. doing the crazy postures. I even went on to compete in a Bikram yoga competition. Oh, like there's com- competitions. There was there was like ten years ago when okay. I started. For and, sure. and, and just for context, so you were um, you went to Western. Washington University, okay. Yeah. So is that where you kind of discovered the practice? I did. At, in college? Okay. Yeah, in college, and I was, I went on to compete in a, a Bikram yoga competition where you're doing these crazy postures and you're just on the perfection of the pose, how long you can hold it, your flexibility. Like, it, 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 it indicates the whole practice of yoga <laughs> if you think about it. But I was crazy, crazy competitive. Like, I was, I was doing the most and pushing my body to crazy extremes because I still had that that the competitive edge in okay. me. It didn't. It, it didn't so it carried into that then. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And you know, it it showed a lot of how I push myself to the limits um, because I feel like I need to earn something. So I need to like strive extra hard to earn favor or earn some type of reward or to fit in a certain place and mm-hmm. that's where I started to hear that narrative a lot through how much I was pushing myself not in a, in a healthy way but in um definitely in a negative way mm. no that's real yeah no that's real yeah so um I mean you mentioned you went to western um I'm always kind of curious to know like what were your like your first like feelings and like thoughts entering college because mm-hmm. you know that's like obviously a big step or like, yeah, you know, man, I remember just being like, I'm free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My parents yeah. were so, 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 so disciplined. Like my mom was a extra- crazy disciplinarian. And she says this now, like I needed it because I was, she knew she's like, you're going to go off the rails. And I did. I was the one, <laughs> the, the one kid that went off the rails. And so she disciplined me young, like I wasn't allowed to do anything. So by the time college came, I was like, I'm free. And I just <laughs> went, I just, I wasn't even, I, I think I, I definitely was using drugs, but the way I was using them was like, I was an everyday user and I didn't, I wanted to use them. So like, you felt like I was like cool and down, but you didn't know that it was high. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't like trying to do them um, to be like the crazy person because I'm, yeah. I'm not but you you know I was a, a secret user because mm. I just wanted to, like she's so chill but you don't know I'm so high right now <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, um, yeah I got it and so college for me was an it was a really I, I you know it was a crazy experience but it was a really transformative experience because yeah. also while I was practicing I was learning how to cultivate like a sense of self and confidence mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and really re-explore discipline in a way that like was from my own lens not from my parents not from what my parents had told me you know Nigerian yeah. parents have so many narratives that they feed you yeah. and so it was the one opportunity I had to create my own narrative what's my relationship to discipline what's my ambition what's like my sense of self and begin to explore all these aspects and exploring my own competitive nature and also just learning and redefining who I was, mm. you know, it was, it was a really, it was a really rad time. And I'm, I'm thankful for yeah. just the practice and, and Western because I feel like I just met so many cool people. I also learned how to like enjoy more of myself, you know, being a dark skin woman here and like growing up darker skin 
um, that was a struggle because in Atlanta there was no no issue, you know. Yeah. But it was an issue here. You know, I went to school in Mukilteo and um, that like Kamiak and. Um, oh okay, I went to Mariner. Yeah, yeah, I I transferred to Mariner because oh. I got so badly bullied at Kamiak, but I went to Olympic View. My family lives in Mukilteo. Okay. Um, but we had to, I had to transfer schools because it was so bad at Kamiak. But mm. just going through that and I just I would just had to find like that love for for my dark skin and my in my body that mm. body positivity you mm-hmm. know being curvier and all these things that a lot of black darker skinned women go through like I was I was struggling with that and college gave me the open space to explore it and like and start to heal from that yeah yeah no. definitely Definitely. I always feel that because, um, I mean, I know I wasn't the same person leaving as this person I was when I first got there, you Mm -hmm. know, so I'm always, like, curious to hear, like, you know. It softened me, for sure. Yeah. In high school, I was really hard, really hard, but I felt like I needed to be because of the bullying. Um, I wasn't going to let anybody punk me out again, especially after... You know, transferring Kamiap and coming to Marin, I came with a, a massive chip on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a bitch. You know, I was I was hard. Mm-hmm. I was really yeah. hard, and it took a long time to take off that like really hard, like masculine edge. Mm-hmm. But the practice of yoga um, started to help me soften um, and and realize like I don't need to protect so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't need to protect like love covers. Yeah. That's it. That's real. You know, yeah, I feel you. That's real. And I, I love that you're able to reflect. Cause I think, and I'm glad you asked that question. Cause you know, reflection is just as important as, you know, projection, like what yeah. you want to do in the future and mm-hmm. what you want to become and all that good stuff, which is great. Um, but that time hasn't came yet. Yeah. That time has already happened. So sometimes a lot of that is meant for you to learn from. Um, it's like a good book, you know, like I, I have so many notes from good books that I've read and I just go revisit those notes. Absolutely. Right. I always like to go back and revisit because it's kind of like, it's like a cheat code in a sense where you can kind of go back to that. That's you. Yeah, um, so I'm glad sure. you're, you're able to reflect on that. And, and speaking of kind of, uh, like you said, coming out of college, um, I did look at that. You had a lot of it prior to yoga. You had a lot of uh, work experience, um, that wasn't necessarily in the yoga space. I, so um, if I'm not mistaken, you were a writer, journalist, yeah. blogger. Um, you worked for publications such as Seattle Met, um, Zulily, um, and countless others. But like looking back at that time, um, I guess, what, what did you take away from that kind of corporate work experience that maybe you were able to be more confident going into the yoga space as a businesswoman oh, and as an entrepreneur? Sure. You could touch on that. Man, um, just, I feel like a cat. Like, I've lived, like, so many, so many <laughs> lives. I've, I've lived so many different lives. Yeah. Uh, but my my passion was always, like, uh, fashion journalism. You know, like I said, my parents are Nigerian. Mm-hmm. You go to school, you study political science, you prepare to become a lawyer. Mm-hmm. So that's what I studied. Um, then when I graduated, I was just like, you know, I'm not going to take the LSAT. I don't think I'm going to do this. And my parents were really upset. Um, but I did it anyways and pursued my dream, and I started uh, fashion blogging. That was really fun. I really had no, I don't know what I was doing. I was just like, I want to do this thing. Mm-hmm. I, I started to explore my creative side, and that was the first introduction to it. And 
um, that went into fashion marketing and copywriting for a small town designer and styling. And then Seattle Met hit me up and I started writing for them. Mm. And then I started doing fashion marketing copywriting for Zulily. And that was like my first, like, you know, corporate professional experience. And that shit took me out. Like, it mm. took me out. Yeah. I hated it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I hated it. I was like sitting in a seat, you know. 8 a.m. to 5, my body was hurting, my scoliosis was acting up. You know, I wasn't, like, I, I had completely been, you know, I hadn't been using it at all, and so I, like, I didn't have anything to, like, to deal with that discomfort, and it was just frustrating. Like, mm. I was just really kind of depressed working at Zulily, because I was just like, I hate this. Like, the sun is out, and I'm inside. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? Like, yeah. like, you know, and I was just like, I'm a creative. I can't be doing this. And mm. um, that was also during the time that I got my first 200-hour yoga teacher training, and I got it, and a few, you know, a few months later, someone offered me the opportunity to teach a retreat, and I was like, yo, I just got my my certification like two months ago are you sure i really don't know what i'm doing yet and they're like it'll be both our first and when i came back from hawaii after teaching that i was just like man yeah like this is i'm gonna do this and i put in my two my my two weeks notice with zulily but the one of the things that zulily really taught me and all of that professional experience all the writing is um professionalism to the most like you know like professionalism like I can create a proposal and I can draft it up in a really clean way. I'm a, an incredible writer, so I'm really mm. good with the written word. Mm. And I can draft a proposal, create that, send it off to a brand, and just like win, win their favor just from that alone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, carry myself with professionalism, mm. um, you know, tact and timeliness, and mm. just understand the nature of business and how business operates. Yep. Not only because my time at Zulily, but because I really admire it. I love it's like fucking cracking a code for me, like business, mm. like, ooh, like obsessing over a problem and finding a solution. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm really driven by that. And yeah. so it's given me so much in my business. It's helped navigate a lot, even though it's taken a lot of time um, to get to where I am. And I still feel like I'm moving through reducing my own performance Mm -hmm. and embodying Mm -hmm. more of myself and Mm -hmm. like get into that place I want to get. Yeah. The professionalism has been on point and setting up a business, like setting yourself up as a business. Like, how do you do that? Like Mm -hmm. all of that's necessary. Yeah. Not cutting corners. Yeah. No, I I love everything you just touched on because I think a lot of people can relate to that. You know, whether you're, whether you have, like you said, Okay, someone reached out to you with a 200-hour yoga course or after your 200-hour yoga course, you had an opportunity. But while you had that opportunity, you were still working there, right? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people are always in positions where you can do both until it's time to go do that. And and don't feel so discouraged, but just take whatever experience you're gaining from here and understand that you're going to utilize it here. Right. Absolutely. And that's that that's I think that's important because the perspective is everything. Yeah. How you view your current like I saw someone tweet the other day, they're like, be where your feet are, you know, and I'm Absolutely. like I'm like, yeah. I feel that because it's yeah. like you can't change where you're at. So what are you gonna do? What are you gonna take from where you're currently at? Yeah, like into what you're doing or trying to do. Don't mm-hmm. skip your graduation, man. Like mm. I feel like you, you you graduate through different things. Like I graduated from being a journalist to this to that to Zulily and I completed the graduation like Mm -hmm. I didn't I didn't try to 
like cut corners or rush out before my time because I was, you know, uncomfortable or this or that. But I waited till I fulfilled the lesson. Like mm. you got to mature in the area you're in. And I think this is why self-study and self-inquiry is so essential, which is what yoga is. It's like it gives you the tools to like sit with and look at yourself and be honest about what's in your body like what am i carrying i can't blame anybody like mm -hmm. i can but then only to like a certain extent you're still you you're still there yeah. like yeah. you're, you're yeah, still exactly. you're still gonna meet yourself there and so yeah. Yeah. eventually you gotta sit with yourself but i know that it's really really hard not to do that and like remove the judgment and a cr and the criticism like that is mm -hmm. really really challenging especially mm -hmm. as black folks when we deal with so much judgment and criticism so then you want me to sit with myself and like feel all that that comes up yeah but it's essential so you can really receive where you are mm -hmm. like not like fake yeah you fake it till you make it but you also gotta discern like where am i really right now mm -hmm. that's real no i feel that because um like i say like a lot of the times a lot of people say like oh you got to get over something or yeah. like get over it get over it but it's like you got to go through it you really can't get over it yeah. you're never yeah. gonna really learn from yeah. that you know so um i mean that's just what i'm taking away from this right now and yeah. it's like i think it's important for people yeah. to know that and it's know? a beautiful place it's like that's like that divine feminine energy like let me sit with and like move through slowly like let yeah. me process this mm -hmm. yeah. like one of the main things I learned is, like, you can't effort your way to, like, enlightenment or anything like that. Mm. You, like, the, the, the vehicles for enlightenment are, like, love, bliss, enjoyment. So, like, let me not jump from here to there because there's no jumping. I have to process this. I have to be fulfilled in it. I have to move through it. Yeah. And there's, like, a receptivity, like, that divine feminine that we all have. And I think that's so necessary because we operate in our masculine so much. Mm -hmm. Like men do, women do, like, mm -hmm. but it's a balance of both. Like you, mm. like you gotta like be in that receptive phase as well so you can just like process and receive. Like, let me move through this slowly. Like, yeah. let me not try to barge my way in and out of this yeah. so it, that I miss like what I meant to learn here because that's for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 my diamond. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. And I I want that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Man, that's that's a gem. Speaking of diamonds. <laughs> but that's a, that's really a gem for sure. Um now I I did want to kind of get into the pivot, right? Which a lot of people talk about pivoting from one thing to another, but um I did read in the um article you had been featured in with Shout Out Miami um where they asked you about going from corporate into entrepreneurship and starting your own practice. Um, and you said, uh, I wasn't aware that these decisions were risky at the time. Rather, I was so committed to the vision I saw in my head that I wouldn't see it any other way. You could say I'm a bit risk tolerant. I am. Yeah, for sure. So I, I'm, I'm curious, can you touch on one thing that stuck out to me was the vision, right? Um, obviously, I'm pretty sure you went through some, maybe some learning curves to get your business started because obviously the practice is one thing and then the business side is another but can you just touch on like that aspect of like being so committed to the vision that you're going to learn regardless of what i needed to do yeah like i'm risk tolerant like i i take a lot of risk and i don't re realize that the risks at the time like i didn't 
realized I was taking such a big risk when I left Sulily and taking that, you know, pay cut. Um, and, but my commit, my commitment to that vision was so huge because I, I just realized, man, I'm a creative and I want to create some shit. Like I want to create something and the way I'm saying this in my head, I want to bring this to life. Like this is my revelation. Mm. And, um, I felt like a deep ownership. Like I see, I feel like a deep ownership over my vision, not only for myself, but for other people. And I don't know, man, I just like, it's just, it's, I'm just so committed to it. Yeah. I'm so, I don't really have a plan B and, Mm -hmm. but I'm also, I'm also going to be taking all the learning that I can through that process. Like I'm not going to try to cut corners. I'm not, I'm going to, really commit to it and discipline myself um to bring it to life Mm. and also learn all of the things i need to learn it you know while i'm doing it because entrepreneurship is shadow work like you are going to see a lot of yourself like you don't want to get up okay what's gonna come what you're still laying there that's that's still you like you're still gonna meet yourself like yeah there's and you are going to interact with so much of yourself that you hide from when you're an entrepreneur like Mm. all the aspects that you say like no i don't want to deal with that or like that's not me that's them all that projection you cannot avoid it when you're an entrepreneur (laughs) like it (laughs) will it will confront all of that and yeah you got to be able to sit with that like that's where that receptivity is essential to process through it because that's going to give you the tools you need to move to the vision like mm. also desire too, like moving through your desires because desires mature as you move through them mm. you're never going to be at one desire i'm going to give myself to this desire then it's going to mature mm. same with the lessons and the learnings that you're getting about yourself and so that commitment to the vision is also a commitment to just learning about yourself and yeah. not like being in your own way not getting in your own way yeah no, that's real. Yeah. That's real. Uh, yeah, it's like, I definitely know what you mean. Like, you you, you hold yourself more accountable. Yeah. Yeah. You can't really yeah. project it anywhere else. And, mm-hmm. like, yeah, so. Because at the end of the day, it's, you're the one creating this. This is coming out of your heart. Yeah. Yep. It's coming from your body. Mm-hmm. It's coming from your eternity. Mm-hmm. Um. And so you are responsible for it, not responsible the way you think about it, but your ability to respond to your own vision. Can you respond to mm-hmm. it? I want to I want to respond to mine. I feel like it was placed in my well, my heart. God gave, put this in my eternity mm-hmm. and it's also given me the ability to respond to it. That's my responsibility. And so mm. saying wow. that to fruition is 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 my sonship yep. is my is my priestesshood yep you know so um that's that's kind of how i look at it that's why it's it's not even like oh i'm so committed it's like it's divine yeah it's aligned mm-hmm. that's real that's real no that's man that's good stuff man um i'm, I'm curious like i feel like everybody has like a, a, a point where they feel like things are clicking like things or we've arrived. What is that moment for you in in in, in yoga uh, by Biola? To be honest, I feel like I'm still getting there. I feel like I've had like had it in trap vinyasa, but also I feel like it was a little 
delayed because I didn't realize that I didn't give myself the opportunity to realize like the uniqueness of what I was creating mm -hmm. or with the divine feminine yoga workshop, the ability that I have um, to create sequences that combine uh, asana, which is yoga postures and other movement practices and combine them together intuitively where other different bodies can practice them and feel like I can do this like like a bigger body or a smaller body or an older body and feel safe and seen in that. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it at the time that it was special. I think I was trying so hard to be so deep mm. at the time. So when those moments come, like, oh, there's synchronicity, there's fluidity here moving. This thing is going on its own. I kind of sometimes miss it. I feel like I'm in that point now and I'm learning how to rest in it and receive it like things are starting to move fluidly and click. Yeah. And click. Yeah. And it takes time to get to that point. It does. It, it does. does. And it takes a lot of reception. Yeah. On your part. Like yeah. not judging it so much and being so critical. Mm. Definitely. <laughs> so hard. It's easier said than done. For real. You know? Because um. you got to kind of take your hands Ooh, you gotta relinquish results. we were just talking mm -hmm. about this i said mm -hmm. i read uh one of my favorite books is the seven spiritual laws of success um and there's a chapter where it's called the law of least effort and oh, it kind of touches on like that's huge yeah that, it kind of touches on that like you know sometimes you got to know how to just fall back mm -hmm. and yeah let, yeah you know, gotta know how to fold them like like dolly parton <laughs> says yeah because yeah. it's like the result doesn't belong to you you that is the hugest like it's just like man but i'm obsessed like i want this result but if I'm focused on the result, then I abdicate the process. And the process is the opportunity for me to experience bliss. Mm. Um, my, my bliss is not in the result. My bliss is in the process and the building. And so I really have to, like, remind myself, take your hands off the results. That's not yours. Mm. You know? I'm going to snap her that one real quick. Yeah, yeah. for real. <laughs> so, um, like, what advice would you give somebody who's trying to become like a yoga instructor or get into that industry absolutely i think the first thing i would i would offer to them is to sit with the call like am i receiving this call to, be, to become an instructor and also remove any pressure you put on yourself for you to be an instructor a certain way mm -hmm. um so first just sit with the with the truth am i feeling this call and then when you respond to the call remove any pressure that you have to be a yoga saint or um, to to showcase this lens of, of, of moralistic standards that I feel like the yoga industry puts on that's quite performative like mm. that's just so f that's so fake that yeah. be a yogi like you are a yogi mm -hmm. however that is with your long nails with, with the weave and the, the you know who cares like if mm -hmm. it's it's trap vinyasa twerking yoga whatever just let it let it be you mm, um yeah. yoga industry puts it, like not only the fitness postures but this like yoga saint that is stuck in duality good bad right wrong um and it creates such a performative lens like that's not realistic that's not how people live mm. you know people are doing what they need to do and, and fucking shit up all the time, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. like mm -hmm. I, there was a time where I was, you know, a yogi and using. So mm -hmm. just be a yogi how you are a yogi. Mm -hmm. yeah. And be an instructor how you are an instructor. Mm -hmm. Be 
because that story, that your lived experience, that narrative is so essential. So my first thing would just be recognize if you feel that call in your body and then be a practitioner how you are a practitioner. Mm. That's good. That's That's good advice. advice. Thank you for sharing that. Um, And part of what I'm getting as well is like, you know, we live in a day and age now where it's like, yo, man, you can build out your own audiences. You can carve out your own groups of people that you want to connect to. Um, And I think that's the best thing for a lot of people who don't like, if they feel like they can't appeal to this group Mm -hmm. and they know that this group is looking for someone to speak to them directly, you can go speak to them directly now with all the resources we have. And so with uh, the launch of EA, um, the online education platform. So you guys are essentially providing kind of like a, a pathway for those who want to get into the space and learn and, and become their own and empower them, empower themselves to, to lead others. Um, what was it like launching that? And I guess, how do you, how, do, how, how have you seen it evolve as it's been going? Man, when I talk about entrepreneurship, really, really calling you out. Entrepreneurship would call out all your stuff that you don't want to see. Um, EA called me out on all of my performative ways and how I was so focused on ego and more specifically, like ego is not a negative thing. Um, Ego is an aspect of yourself that's trying to protect you. Like I'm trying to protect you from having an egg on your face. Um, But it needs to mature. You need to mature your ego so that it kind of settles behind your soul body and your soul body leads. Mm. So my, my ego wasn't really that mature. And I was really focused on calling myself this healer and um, taking ownership of healing other people. But I ain't, I ain't healing nobody. I'm healing myself and holding space for other folks to heal themselves. Mm. But I had to remove like this ego on trying to control what's deep. Mm. I don't know what's deep for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. No, you're right. That's right. and that's performative. My postures, my practice was performative. How I was showing up in spaces as this healer was performative. It wasn't giving me the permission to just be Viala, which I'm, I'm, a, I'm a jokester. I'm a little prankster. And so starting out was rough because I came with, with all these preconceived notions as to like what I needed to be to be a founder. And how I needed to operate things and people need to respect me this way and they mm. need to talk to me that way and mm. they need to so much like ugh, immature ego and unnecessarily like masculinity and braggadociousness mm. and um, because I was talking about like non-performative yoga that just showed that out like bitch you being performative yeah you yeah. know yeah. so it was yeah. like it was it was it was hard the first first like year and a half like mm-hmm. doing these ytts and getting students who were just literally calling me out like mm. and just reading me for filth like mm. That's t- <laughs> my old students yeah. <laughs> I mean, reading you me gotta, for straight filth yeah <laughs> man i mean because like, it, it's about sometimes we don't recognize how we're positioning ourselves mm-hmm. in front of people for yeah. real. I, I always call it i always look at that one like something happens in the black community and someone stands up and tries to be like martin luther king and i'm like bro just yeah. i hope you know how you're positioning yourself before yeah. you position yourself as such because you don't have to right so yeah. um it's just understanding being conscious of like yeah. wh- what you're doing while you're doing it so 
Um, I so hear you on that. I'm yeah. just now learning about that. Yeah, no, we're how, all learning. Like, yeah. How are you positioning yourself when you walk into a room? And I didn't realize that like yeah. I was coming with so much extra and people feel that. Yeah, they do. Students feel that energetically. And it's just like, I didn't come here for that. Mm-hmm. I didn't come here from, yeah, I came to learn from you, but not that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to just take several seats and, um, it helped it evolve like, though. It helped it evolve and yeah. it's helped it it's helped it to come to where it is now where it's like I'll just tell my students I'm constantly going through this this lens of teaching of non performative living. I'm learning with y'all. I'm mm-hmm. learning with you. I'm learning yep. alongside you. Yep. And to really support my facilitators in a way like like let me support y'all, let me prioritize y'all because you also are hold, like holding space for these these students and I would not be able to even hold this space without you so mm. prioritizing my facilitators mm-hmm. like as my road dogs like yep. instead of like looking them but like as like behind me yeah yeah they are the forefront le- like helping lead me yeah mm. they are my teachers so let me prioritize my facilitators i think like as business owners like if you have employees or contractors like yeah you want their job to be as easy as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Like make it easy for them to say yes every day they come to work for you. Yeah. And then also like really like looking at my students. I'm teaching y'all, but I'm but y'all are your own healers. I ain't healing you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm providing an education on this on these facets of yoga, but y'all are y'all are your own healers. Mm-hmm. You know, and approaching them as peers. Mm. That's been huge. Yep. Because that gurification happens a lot in yoga where it's like teacher student mm. and it creates such a a, a false narrative of yeah. who you are as an instructor and I was feeding into that. Yeah. So like really supporting my facilitators, holding them down and then really supporting um, my students and affirming to them that they are they are their own whatever they want to be. Yeah. They are their own teachers. Yeah. And they are teachers for me too. Yeah. And that is like literally non-performative yoga. Yeah. It's breathing non-performative yoga yeah. into it and, you know, um, affirming them, these new generation of instructors and these yeah. new generation of leaders that we're, we're bringing up in the yoga industry so they have that confidence. Man, that's, that's so impactful. For real. You know? And yeah. it's like a lot of times the impact won't be... F- truly uh lived out fully till we're probably no longer here none of us i know, know? that's why i'm like girl take your hand off the results <laughs> yeah take your hand off it like yeah. i'll be like waiting for my accolades okay i'm waiting for, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for someone to tell me bitch you're doing a good job yeah. bitch you're doing a good job and it's just like i'm gonna tell you you're doing a good job i'll tell you right now <laughs> but, but it's yeah. not always yeah. gonna happen and yeah. like something you just like yeah take your hands off it yeah no i, I love it though it's yeah you're 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 definitely um because i mean i'm learning right now because i was kind of looking at yoga as like a performative way you know but Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. now that you're breaking it down like this and like non-performative and i'm I'm sure for like a lot of people you know to where you kind of have a different perspective you feel a little bit more comfortable about it you know and um i just i just i just want to throw that out there (laughs) and we're trying to like you know I'm trying to bring on black ma- black male facilitators as well. Mm. Um, and we showcase, like, black men practicing, whether it be asana or meditation or pranayama, like, all these other facets of the practice that don't have to be so physical mm-hmm. that really just hold, like, it can be so simple or it can be deep if that's where your practice is drawing you. Mm-hmm. 
my hands are off that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, like, my thing that I love to see is, like, a black man or a black woman or an older woman just coming in and, like, taking a practice, um, taking something that we have online and, like, just settling into their bodies and exploring themselves. Like, mm-hmm. this gave me the ability to sit with myself and see and study myself without the judgment or the criticism mm-hmm. that I put on myself every day. Mm-hmm. And I was able to get up off of my mat and, like, enjoy myself a little more. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's... It's 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 impact it's important. I was gonna say it was impactful and important at the same time. We don't make it more. It's, <laughs> impact. <laughs> it's impacting. <laughs> um, but no, it is imp- important work. And um, I, I did kind of want to see get your thoughts on because um, you touched on uh, some of the aspects within yoga is meditation. Um, I'm a big advocate for meditation. Like I meditate oh, yeah. daily. You know. Um, and it's, and, and sometimes it's just short, right? Um, because it doesn't have to be super long, but can you just speak to kind of the value of meditation and just stillness amongst all the noise out there? Cause there's a lot of people who I feel they, it's like, again, it's like, it doesn't have to be performative. It can just literally be you chilling in your car for 10 minutes, like whatever it is, you know, but can you just touch on from your viewpoint of the power and importance of meditation? I don't think we realize how afraid we are to to sit in silence. Mm. Like. We go home, we turn on our phone, like we need to have YouTube on, we need to have the music on, we need to have, like meditation just helps you over time, not all at once, just little by little, let me enjoy myself more Mm. without like this noise or that noise or TV or music, like it just helps you get a little bit more comfortable enjoying and sitting with yourself. Mm. And it frees you. That frees you from the bondage of noise. Because mm. people say they want to like be f- like, oh yeah, I, I wanna, I wanna sit with myself, and or I wanna do meditation. But like, you're not ready to not be constantly bombarded by noise. Mm-hmm. So meditation, even if it's for five minutes, and you're sitting in the car. I gained five minutes of just stillness with myself and I enjoyed myself mm-hmm. without anything else for five minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit freer mm-hmm. if I do it for 10 minutes and I don't have anything going. No one's talking. I don't have any music going. YouTube is not playing in the background. I just enjoyed myself without anything for 10 minutes. I'm a little bit freer mm-hmm. of that thing, of mm-hmm. that noise. Mm-hmm. I can control it. Yeah. Yeah. So you're freeing yourself yeah. to be with yourself. Mm. Yeah. And that's why meditation is so valuable because it you're freeing you. You can sit with yourself and not have all the other distractions. So if I'm in a relationship and I don't have this person and they leave me, I'm okay. Or uh, it frees you of codependence. It frees you of pe- people pleasing. All these types of traumas that we have is simultaneously freeing you from that as well. Mm. So meditation frees you mm-hmm. as you start to enjoy yourself. Because I can sit with myself. Oh, something came up. I feel an emotion that feels heavy. What do I do with that? Okay, I'm going to sit with it. Okay, I'm sitting with it. Oh, I'm seeing that it has an end. Okay. Okay, 
that's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I just, now it's gone. Yeah. Oh, I'm freer. Yeah. So you're like, the science is you're freeing yourself from the own density of your emotions. Mm. That's deep. Yeah. You know? That's real. And time, too. I think, um, like, I'll do, like, a 10-minute meditation, and I do guided meditations, too. Because mm-hmm. I think the guided, and this is just for people who just want to try it out. Like, guided meditations, like, it holds you accountable, too, mm-hmm. which is dope. So it keeps you on track. But what I'm realizing is, like, I'll do a 10-minute meditation, and that feels like 30 minutes. It does, yeah. And it brought me, it brought to my attention just, like, damn, like, why do we move so fast? Why do we move so fast? If 10 minutes feels like 30 minutes when you just pause and not do anything, it just, it kind of speaks to the society we live in and um, how we treat ourselves yeah, or how we take care of ourselves. So removing the urgency, like mm-hmm. I just did a, a silent Buddhism retreat in Costa Rica in June. Mm. That's where I was at. Mm-hmm. Um, and Buddhism really, um, Buddhism practices always use guided meditation, which mm-hmm. I love too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't learn them until I started studying Buddhism. And it's, it's so profound. But I also like this urgency that we have. Like, there's always this, like, sense of urgency. And mm. it's just, it's a falsification of how we need to live. I'm literally sweating. <laughs> <laughs> um, where we got to go? Where we got to be? Yeah. What, what we got to do? Yeah. That's like... Yeah. And I was putting it on my facilitators the first year of the of EA, like, you need to get this done by this time, and you need to be this way. But why? Isn't it my own vision? Can I? Can yeah. we make the rules? Yeah. Bitch, can we make the rules? Yeah. Yeah. Aren't we like? Aren't we doing this? Mm-hmm. So it's not real. Yeah. And it doesn't happen all at once, but meditation can slowly start to slow you, like. Man, I can, I can, I can kind of slow down time. Yes, like. <laughs> I, I used to, man. I, I'm with you 100 percent on that because I, I literally have changed the way I just do regular things, mm-hmm. like regular stuff that you would just try to rush to do and finish. Yeah, you realize like, wait, slow down. Why am I? I ask myself, why am I going so fast with this? Mm-hmm. Do I need to? You know what I mean? And so. Um, I just think it's super valuable yeah. um, in, in so many ways, and, and it's free. <laughs> yeah. And it just makes it more enjoyable. Like, it, I'm enjoying myself more. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I can enjoy myself in this more. Like, because I, I want all the joy I can get. Like, that, yeah. I want all that bliss, Yeah. you know? Got to be present. And I can get it in little daily doses of things. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to be, like... A vacation or like a turn up it can be in like these little everyday things mm-hmm. that i can get bliss when i like slow down yeah when i when i'm settling in with myself like i can get that yeah and we just got to be able to appreciate like life mm-hmm. you know and i think right. sometimes we desire things that we feel is going to make us appreciate life mm-hmm. but everything we need is already here absolutely yeah and like you know what e- I mean? that's true bro like yeah it's just like our focus is well, those steps can be a lot. Like people are like, I don't even know where to begin. And like we keep it non-performative. Like we, we break it down. Let's just start with like a short pranayama practice. We'll give you a whole 
uh, a whole series just on pranayama and breath practices mm-hmm. or a whole like yoga series just on adaptability like small movements and then we'll work our way to something big or in cultivating yoga instructors and space holders who also are uh who are sharing that non-performative approach. Like we are committed to creating non-performative yoga educators because we feel like the industry really needs that. It's Mm -hmm. too performative. It's too fast. Mm -hmm. It's too focused on urgency and performance and fitness that like you're missing so many people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's real. Man, this is gems. Fun gems, man. You you are... um, (laughs) You are definitely making a, a much needed contribution in what you do. Um, definitely. And um, I did want to kind of get some insight in, with guests. We always like to ask kind of what's ahead, and what you um, envision or what you're seeing. But do, are there things in the future that you can speak to, um, whether it's coming up? I know we talked, you got some things coming up very, like, more recent. But, like, are there also maybe long-term type things that you have your mindset on yes. um, that you can speak to? So the most upcoming thing is we have is our 200-hour yoga teacher training. So if you are feeling that call to become an instructor and you're looking for a yoga teacher training to take ours, it's completely virtual, online, mm-hmm. live, and we have incredible facilitators with over two decades of experience, um, completely black-led. And, um, yeah, if you're looking to become a non-performative yoga educator, highly recommend you apply if you are really really serious Mm -hmm. this ytt we don't play so you can't miss more than 10 hours y'all so Mm. um and that's not a lot in a 200 hour yoga teacher training so we have that coming up in september and we're accepting applications up until then Mm. um and we'll have another 200 hour yoga teacher training in winter 2023 and then from after that in the summer, I will be doing an eight-week series for yoga instructors um, called Intuitive Sequencing for the Chakras. Mm. So it's going to be for folks who are already certified yoga instructors who are really looking to create yoga sequences that are attuned to the chakras um, but are focused on an anatomy perspective, like understanding the body. I think where a lot of yoga instructors miss the mark is they don't understand anatomy and kinesthesiology mm. they don't understand the body and this is why i was able to sequence trap vinyasa and guide people in it so well and mix body weight exercises with yoga in a way that was super conducive for different bodies mm. like really making sure um, instructors understand the anatomy and it's not just like do this posture or that posture, which is why I'm so thankful for my teachers I've learned from here mm-hmm. in Seattle because mm-hmm. they really know their shit when it comes to anatomy. And mm. I think that a lot of teachers fall to the wayside with not knowing that. So that will be coming up in the um, summer of next year mm-hmm. um, where I'll be holding an eight-week series. So if you're a yoga instructor and you're looking for you know, to create sequences, an, uh, anatomically sound sequences for the chakras, definitely be on the lookout for that. Mm. Then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm also looking to do a podcast sometime in the future. But oh, I don't hey. know. Let's get it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, would, li- I would definitely listen yeah. to that. Yes. Definitely, for real. Yeah. I want to yeah. be, be dropping the jam. Yeah, yeah, man. We need them, man. <laughs> we need them, man. I got you, man. We'll help you out with that. And helping all the sisters, you know, yeah. out there, you know, with the men's and stuff. Yeah. Um, 
embodying your divine feminine but not like in this like blase way but uh, that feels very real mm. um and, and 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 rooted in the in the soul body and um really really looking at like how as, as remove some of that density so that we can soften not for someone else but because we don't need to protect love covers mm. Um, I love that. So I, I'm really passionate about that. Yeah. Because I, I understand it. Yeah. Now the future is bright. Mm-hmm. For Definitely. sure. Future is bright and we're looking forward to it. Yeah. Yes. 100%. For sure. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So um, where can people find you? Where can they sign up? Where, you know, I guess just your whole all online the, presence. All the addresses. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so you can follow me on the gram at Yoga by Biala on all platforms, on Twitter, on YouTube. That's Y-O-G-A-B-Y-B-I-O-L-A. And if you want to follow Ia, if you are a seeker, a student, or a yoga instructor, and you're looking for non-performative yoga education, definitely head to Ia. That's I-Y-A dot w e l l on instagram and it's i y a dot or excuse me i y a w e l l dot com mm. on that's our website you can find us there we have an online yoga studio we have our 200 hour yoga teacher training that we are gearing up for now and just more programs for seekers and instructors in the future mm-hmm. if um, cost is a factor I, and you're looking to practice with me. I, I don't really teach in person anymore, um, but I do have a YouTube channel with over 100 free yoga videos from beginner, intermediate to advanced. If you're just wanting to, you know, practice in your body with me, you can join me for free on YouTube. Mm. I love it. Nice. I love it. I hope y'all are paying attention and taking yeah. notes out there, <laughs> though the viewers and listeners, man. Um, yeah, this has definitely been a very um, enlightening, uplifting, and, and very um, grounding episode, I, I would say, for myself. Um, and I'm pretty sure a lot of the listeners and viewers can definitely take away a lot from this. Um, now, but before we do get you out of here, we always ask our guests this question. Um, so if you can, what is one word to describe what keeps you on the up and up and why? <laughs> I'm sure people are always like, oh. Um, self study. Mm. Self study. Self study for sure. I'm constantly looking at myself. I'm never afraid to see what's there. I never want to get stuck in my own projections. Um, so self-study is really what keeps me on the up and up. It's my, it's what, how I free myself. Mm. Mm. I love that's, it. That's a good one. That's a, that's a, that's a powerful one right there. Yeah. I think yeah. that's, yeah, they're all that's, powerful, yeah. but you know, but that's the first time we yeah. got that. Too. We, I don't think we've gotten self-study before. Yeah. 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 I like that. I like that, man. All right. Well, uh, like I said, man, I feel like you feel yeah, that, you yeah, feel that too, right? It just feels like very easy right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And um, I took a lot from this. I'm sure the listeners and viewers have as well. Um, yeah, and you guys know where to find her and tap in and, and get connected. Um, yeah, man, this has been great. And uh, with that being said, I think it's safe to say Biala, Yoga by Biala, Ia, the whole team, everybody that's involved are officially members of the Up and Up. Can yeah. we get a round of applause? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love to hear it. Love yeah. to hear it. <laughs>
Yo, what up? It's Rubino. And this is DJ Earn. We hope you enjoyed that episode and that now you have a better understanding of what it means to live life on the up and up. To continue supporting the podcast and the entire up and up movement, be sure to rate, review, like, and subscribe. As well as follow us at underscore the up and up on all social media platforms to stay connected with everything the up and up has coming your way. Thanks for listening. And until the next one, keep it on the up and up. <laughs>